Hello and welcome to Movies for Dumb Guys. I'm your dumb guy host, Joe Johnson. And I'm joined by Tim Williams. Hello. <laughs> I don't know any director quotes. <laughs> and Andrew Walker. Yes, hello everybody. Thanks for joining us today. All right, so today's topic is going to be our favorite directors. And the reason this uh, popped up in my brain is uh, over the past week or so, I've been watching some old classic movies. And um, I started noticing a certain director's name popping up over and over and over again. Um, It started with Casablanca. I watched Casablanca, and I saw that the director was named Michael Curtiz. And I thought, you know, most people consider Casablanca one of the greatest uh, movies of all time. And I was I was a little surprised that that name, Michael Curtiz, isn't as well known as some other directors' names. But then as I continued watching some classic movies, I, I went through an Errol Flynn phase, and I noticed Michael Curtiz directed Robin Hood, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, Captain Blood, which was uh, Errol Flynn's first movie, Dodge City, which was Errol Flynn's western, um, and he directed White Christmas, which has come up on this podcast before. Um, and when you think about it, that's a really diverse uh, genre of films, like westerns and swashbucklers and all sorts of stuff. And I thought, man, how come more people don't know this guy's names? Uh, this guy's name. So, so that got me thinking. You know, what other directors have? a large body of work that have, that has been really, really influential um, to me and, and to movie lovers. Um, so I sat down and I compiled um, what originally was going to be my top 10 list. That blossomed into top 20, and so I had to kind of whittle it down. Um, so for the most part, though, you know, my, my focus is, is movies that have impacted me directly, movies I grew up with. Um, so my top 10 list is pretty much made up of mostly directors from me growing up uh, in a movie theater. Uh, So some people might say, oh, come on, where are the classic directors? Well, I didn't really grow up with those films. I was introduced to those later, and that's kind of on the second part of my my list here. Um, So let's get this uh, kicked off. I am going to start off with my all-time favorite director, the the single director who's had the biggest influence on my life growing up as a movie fan. Uh, we did a po- an entire podcast dedicated to this guy, and that is Steven Spielberg. And if I can just rattle off some of my favorite Steven Spielberg movies, um, Jaws, 1975, which was a game changer. Uh, Close Encounters, 1977, which was huge for me as a kid. Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of my all-time favorite movies ever. Uh, E.T., Jurassic Park. Uh, then Steven Spielberg went into the serious mode and did Schindler's List, 1993, Saving Private Ryan, 1998, Lincoln, which I just absolutely loved, 2012. Uh, and then he did, he went back to his kind of fun genre with Ready Player One uh, in 2018, and he's ramping up for a remake of West Side Story, which should be interesting. This We're talking Spielberg doing a musical, which... Uh, should be fun for him. Um, so number one on my list is Steven Spielberg, uh, hugely influential director. Um, Tim, do you agree with Steven Spielberg ranking so high? Yeah, totally. I mean, especially anybody that grew up in the eighties, uh, you'd have to have him on there. I mean, we talked about it before. 
uh, when a Spielberg movie came out in the 80s, it wasn't just a regular movie. I mean, it was an event. Granted, movies didn't come out as rapid fire as they do nowadays, but still, I mean, it was like a huge event when a Spielberg movie would come out around that time. Um, yeah, I mean, he was just, and, and back in the day, I mean, you know, back when I was a kid, there wasn't a whole lot of directors that I would have even known. Right. Uh, but he was definitely one of them. Um, so when I compiled my list, I didn't really do a top 10, but I mean, he was definitely one of the first ones that I wrote down. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to come up with other directors who had a connection with the audience that these movies spoke to the audience and he was a yeah. rock star of directors. That's, uh, another, that's just real quick. That's another thing that I wanted to say. Uh, a lot of the guys on my list are probably considered maybe like niche uh, directors, like, you know, certain genres that they fit into. But I think Spielberg definitely is one of those guys that can appeal to the masses, um, you know, across genders, across ages, everything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Spielberg? I echo a lot of what he said. Um, he is not on my top ten list. Um, not in your top he's ten? He's not in my top right. ten, and I'll explain Interesting. why. Um his his early work, his his stuff from Jaws to Jurassic Park, I think were really great and imaginative and almost had a childlike sense of wonder. Oh, sure. I, I actually never saw Schindler's List, but starting with I think Munich, was that two thousand five or two thousand six? Yeah, I don't have that on my I list, but yeah. I started to lose I I I felt he started to lose his signature um, well, he started to, to dabble in other genres, and I think right. that was more to appease himself than the audience. And sure, yeah, yeah, of course, he had some misfires here and there. But really, when you look at his entire body of work, he's had far more hits than misses. And, and if you look at American uh, cinema history, the last what seventy, eighty years, he's probably like the American director. Oh yeah, that you think of, starting with Jaws, which. Pretty much started the summer blockbuster yeah. movie, yeah. and then uh, you know I, uh, everything at least the next twenty years after that. It's this this is an American film. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember when the the novel Jurassic Park came out. I read it twice and just absolutely loved it. And then they said uh, we're going to try and turn it into a movie, and I'm like, it's impossible. There's no way they're going to be able to do this as a movie. And then they said Steven Spielberg was attached, and I was intrigued. I'm like, if there's one guy who can pull this off is Steven Spielberg. Yep. And then when I saw that trailer, I was like, oh my God, this is a game changer. And and think of the impact that Jurassic Park had on effects uh, in oh, yeah. movies uh, from that moment forward. I, I saw that film in theaters. Uh, I think it came out summer of 93. 93, yep. Uh, so I would have been eight or nine years old. That was the first time I was actually like, I don't want to say scared, but the the dinosaurs like actually got to me and I thought they were real. Oh yeah, the more, T Rex more, scene is more amazing. so than any film at that time. So th that movie has a special you know place in my heart forever and always will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean at at the time, <clears throat> I wasn't sold on the computer animation stuff because any of it really around then was not that great. But 
that just blew everything away. And thank God that he decided to go with with that instead of the stop motion animation that they had originally pitched. Yeah. Oh, I had heard that. That would be they had. interesting. It was a, a bit of a <laughs> yeah. contest at the time. Yeah. They had. Uh, they had. They said. Uh, I think it was Spielberg who said, "All right, I want." a team of effects people to do a stop motion uh, T-Rex or Gallimimus or something. Yeah. And then someone else, I don't know if it was Dennis Murin or somebody, but they said, uh, you know, they've made great strides in computer animation, so I want to try and do one on the computer. And so he let it, they kind of pit the two teams against each other, and everybody knew when they saw the computer animation. As a matter of fact, there was a line in the movie when Jeff Goldblum's character says, uh, don't you mean extinct? Um, that... They realized at that moment that stop motion animation was was on its way out when they saw the computer animation. Wow, that's interesting. And it amazes yeah. me that there's movies today that you go see with computer animation and it's terrible. Oh yes. And Jurassic Park came out more than 25 <laughs> years ago and it still is the mm-hmm. standard for computer animation. Yep. Right. Yeah. And on the opposite end, you may not agree, but some of the the more modern stop motion animation stuff has come. A long way. I mean, it's more cartoony stuff. Yeah. But still, you know, they're not trying to pass it off as like legit looking monsters or anything. Right. But still, that's come a long way. Yeah. As well. There's always going to be a director who goes old school. And when, when someone says stop motion is dead, somebody like Tim Burton says, oh, yeah, well, I'll show you. And they <laughs> right. do an amazing stop motion movie. So, yeah. yep. All right. All right. Let's move on to number two on my list. Um, again, man, he, he ranks right up there. Uh, directing some of the most influential movies of my youth uh and not just directing but also writing a lot of these um let me let me rattle off some titles and then i'll reveal his name uh ferris bueller's day off 1986 breakfast club 1985 planes trains and automobiles 1987 uncle buck uh 1989 16 candles 1984 uh he wrote national lampoon's vacation Weird Science, Mr. Mom, Home Alone, Pretty in Pink. The guy's body of work is incredible, and he has to be included in any discussion of great directors and and filmmakers, and that's John Hughes. Um, Again, through the 80s, just something. he, He had his finger on the pulse. He was cranking out these movies that spoke to audiences who embraced them, and he captured each of his movies as like a time capsule that captured that period so authentically. And uh, John Hughes was just such a huge influence on me. And again, I'd look forward to just about every movie um, that came out with John Hughes' names, a name attached. I was there in the theater to see it. Um, Tim, your thoughts on John Hughes? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I didn't really do a top 10, but he's definitely on my list. And um, again, kind of like Spielberg in the 80s, when a John Hughes movie would come out, it would just be like, I mean, it wouldn't just be like you would just go with like your family or whatever. I, I remember like being in a theater, a packed theater of pretty much everybody from the school, um, you know, whether it be middle school or high school, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- those were like big events also. And they delivered like every time. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that he gets forgotten, but, um, you know, because his heyday, I think, was more in the 80s, I don't think he his name gets brought up as much as it should when you're talking about some of the greatest directors. I agree. And, um, you know, I had the feeling with each one of these movies that I rattled off, 
in the theater, when you're walking out of the theater, you you realize that you just witnessed a classic. I mean, these movies yeah. were instant classics. Now, today you might watch them and think they might feel a little dated, but like I said, it's because they're like a time capsule. They captured that period um, so perfectly. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts on John Hughes? I, what I like about John Hughes is, like you said, it's a, it's a Polaroid picture of most commonly young people in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? And I love that. I love that when you can either look at a film or hear the plot of a film and think, oh, I know who that director is already going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not on my list, but if I had made a, I'd made a top 10, if I'd made a top 20, I think he would be on there. Um, I, like you said, he wrote Home Alone. That was one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, the Brat Pack movies are awesome. I, of course, I'm, I wasn't old enough to see them when they came out, but watching them later, I'm like, this, this is really influential amongst, uh, just right through the heart of Americana. This, uh-huh. this captures, it has a pulse on it, like you said. Right. And, um, I think he, he died at a fairly young age, didn't he? And it would have liked, liked to Pretty- see him, uh, do some more stuff. Yeah. 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 He died relatively young, but, but he hadn't been doing a whole lot anymore had he i don't think so i don't know what was the last major movie he directed i'll have to look it up but uh there's there's no denying that the he dominated the 80s just incredible work in the 80s so all right let's uh i'm gonna stick with uh the 80s uh period um even though eh, there's a couple movies here let me rattle off these titles and then i'll name the director uh he directed all three back to the future movies uh, one of my all-time favorite comedies. This is an underrated comedy. Used Cars came out in 1980. Um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 1988, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Uh, Romancing the Stone came out that incredible year of movies, 1984. Uh, he also directed Forrest Gump, one, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies ever made, and Cast Away 2000. Uh, those are just some of the movies that uh, are on my list of favorites. We're talking about Robert Zemeckis. Um, boy, he put out some amazing stuff, really influential movies that people uh, discuss today and love today. And, and so many of them were game changers like back to the future. And what he did with Roger Rabbit had never been done before and has never been duplicated since uh, mixing live action with animation so seamlessly and, and making it an adult film, this film noir detective boiler you know and and oh it's just again one of my all-time favorite movies um tim your thoughts on robert zemeckis um i did not put him on my list but um and i will say this this is weird because when i obviously we had a short time to come up with this because this was kind of a last minute deal (laughs) um so just just to make sure that i wasn't forgetting anybody i kind of went to the internet and looked up top directors he was not on anybody's list. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if he would have made my top 10 or top 20 anyway. Great films that you mentioned. I will say that I probably need to revisit Roger Rabbit. I remember seeing it at the theater. Um, Gene walked out of it wow. halfway through. I remember the hype for it was so huge. <laughs> Leading up to it, I was disappointed. I left disappointed. You were disappointed I, in I, Roger Rabbit. I, I did. Yeah, I saw it pretty early on. I I don't I can't remember if it was opening weekend, but it was pretty early on. I saw it with some friends, and my friends and I, you know, we grew up watching Bugs Bunny on Saturday morning and everything. And I remember walking out of that theater 
looking at my friends and we all agreed it was one of the greatest movies <laughs> that we had ever seen. I, I honestly, I, I just, I think I just need to revisit it. I mean, you know, I was full of teen angst at the time. I was probably, you know, in seventh or eighth grade or something. And didn't that just, Jessica make you cool. feel funny when you saw Jessica Red? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I, I think I would probably remember that, and I don't remember. She that. set the standard by how I judge women today. That's why I'm single. Andrew, any thoughts on uh, Robert Zemeckis? I I do love Zemeckis. Um, if like I said, same with uh, with Hughes. Uh, if I would have expanded my list of twenty, I think he would have been on there. Like you said, what he did with Back to the Future, which is one of probably my second favorite film series after Star Wars, I loved it so much. It was such a huge part of my childhood. I think I watched uh, Back to the Future two probably every Saturday when I was like ten. <laughs> um, Forrest Gump, of course. Uh, Roger Abbott was another regular on at my house on VHS all the time. Um, some of his later stuff was kind of hit or miss. Um, like I mean, like with most directors, but. Uh, I just recently saw Castaway for the first time uh, on TV a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. um, it was good. I I don't know. I wouldn't say that it's aged well because I think it's been about twenty years, but I can see at the time when that movie came out, probably around two thousand or so. That, and I remember being a kid when it came out. That it was a huge, huge movie, oh, yeah. and everyone loved it. So I could appreciate it from the year two thousand point of view, and. Robert Zemeckis seems like the kind of guy who, who likes to take risks with new things, like he did uh, the one with Steve Carell recently. Um, something. Oh, with the Marwin. Mar- Marwin. Welcome yeah. to Marwin. Yeah, I never got around to seeing it, that one. It, most people said it wasn't great. Yeah. But I like that he he takes chances on doing different things. Yeah. And I respect that about uh, artists in general, right? I just watched Castaway again recently. I uh, just recently bought Wilson the volleyball to display <laughs> in my home, um, and it was. Yeah, it was an experimental movie because, well, Tom Hanks had a big role in creating Castaway too, and and they, he basically said no one has ever really done a, a serious take on being stranded on a desert island. You had, you know, the Robinson Crusoe movies and stuff like that, um, so they wanted to do a fairly realistic take. And then when you think about the the transformation that Tom Hanks went through, where they filmed the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. took a year off, a year break from filming so that Tom Hanks can lose weight and grow the beard and, and all that stuff. Zemeckis made a whole other movie right, during that during time. That time yeah, I, I read that too because I'm like, how how, how, do, how did they do the, the weight change here? So I, I had to look it up. Yeah. 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 And, and I remember being in the theater and gasping when halfway through the movie it fades to black and then when it comes back it said four years later or whatever. And there, the whole theater was like, oh, my God. And then when yeah. you see Tom Hanks physically transformed, it, it was amazing. Yep. It was incredible. Yep. So I just want to throw one other one out there that uh, I did not see at the theater originally. It kind of got mixed reviews, um, but it is something that I do watch like every Christmas now, and that's the Polar Express. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, when I finally watched it on DVD or whatever, I was like, I was like, hey, this this actually is pretty good. Um, yeah, I think but, it has a good story. I, I don't know why I, I'm creeped out by the the human characters in it. They just look weird to me, but it's it's a great story. Well, because they did the roto, what do you call it? Rotos? Not rotoscope. Is it rotoscope? Where where they where they have the actors act out the the role and oh, they right. put the CGI over them, which right. is kind of pointless to me. But <laughs> right, I, exactly. I think that that any time that you have that, it looks kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I know it's a holiday classic. Um, all right, number four on my list. Some people might argue this this director could rank higher. 
Um, he's probably, I haven't verified this, but he's probably the highest grossing director on this list, maybe behind Steven Spielberg. Uh, here are some of his movies. Terminator, 1984. T2, Revolutionary, 1991. Uh, Aliens, the sequel to Alien, 1986. The Abyss, again, another revolutionary movie that changed special effects. True Lies, which I think ranks up there among Arnold Schwarzenegger's greatest films. That came out in 1994. And then, of course, the two big blockbusters, Titanic in 1997, Avatar 2009, the highest grossing movies, one and two for a long time until Endgame is threatening to knock these movies off their perch. And it will Um, in two weekends. Right. Oh, yeah, when they're re-releasing Endgame with new footage. Yeah, I read that today. Yeah. So, And the nice thing is uh, James Cameron, who we're talking about here, uh, saluted Endgame and, and congratulated uh, them on their accomplishment. Um, but Cameron, come on, man. He's, he's one of the most influential directors of all time. Um, to put out two movies like that, Titanic and Avatar, which could not be more polar opposite of each other and have them rule the box office as number one and number two from the same director, to me that's mind-blowing. And, yep. and, and like I said, you look at his body of work, these most of these movies that I listed are on my top hundred favorite movies of all time. Uh, James Cameron, Tim did not make my list. Wow. I, I can honestly say that none of those movies that you mentioned, I would consider my favorites or even, even close. The Uh, Terminator movies. No, I watched, uh, I, I think I, you know, we've talked about it before. I, I, after T2, first two were great. After that, I just had no interest in them. Um, I was thinking that today because I saw a movie and hmm. they were showing the trailer for the new one, and I was like, "No, <laughs> it's just huh. um, Avatar." Is I, I will say this: if I would have seen Avatar in IMAX, like everybody raved about, maybe yeah. my thought would be different. But I didn't see it till it came out on, on Blu-ray. Average movie. Well, yeah, no, and you're absolutely right about that. Here's the thing with Avatar. It is not on my 100 greatest movie list, but if I was to come up with a list of my favorite experiences in a theater, Avatar might be number one because the experience of seeing that movie in the theater was probably the most fun I've ever had in a theater. The effects were astounding, the audience reaction. But you're right, when you sit down and watch it in your living room on your television, the story doesn't hold up. We've seen it before with Dancing with Wolves and things like that. Oh, there's um, a lot of movies. Yeah, there's like a lot of movies that have that, that I love formula. In the theater, and then when I, I bought them and when I watch them on DVD, they yeah. just don't have the same. So it doesn't hold up on DVD, but that the reason it ranks so highly is people kept going back for that in-theater right. experience. And same with Titanic. And, you know, I will give him credit. He's he's definitely a competent director. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not. It's just there's just something about his movies that mm. don't resonate with me like some of the other directors. Now, anytime a movie is successful, there's always going to be a blowback, a retaliation of people. Oh, it wasn't that great. And Titanic experienced that. I saw Titanic opening weekend when it came out. And as the credits rolled, I turned to my buddy and said, yeah, I saw it with my buddy. Uh, I said, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And I was shocked when people started railing against it, saying, oh, the movie sucks. And I'm like, no, it does not suck. <laughs> Now, he took some liberties creating fictional characters to explore the Titanic. I felt it was necessary to do that. I enjoyed it. I stand by the fact that it still ranks as one of the greatest movies of all time. 
Uh, Andrew, do you concur? Uh, probably with about half of what you said. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the the first two Terminator movies, especially what he did with um, with with the uh, the animation on T two was. Oh yeah, the liquid metal Terminator. Yeah, and I yeah. was watching that recently again. I'm like, even today that that looks pretty awesome, and it still holds up. It, 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 the effects do not feel right. dated. Um, Aliens two, I actually watched for the first time recently, and I really liked it. I think it kept with the spirit of uh, Ridley Scott's first one. I've never seen uh, by, uh, True Lies or Abyss, although I heard the Abyss is a must-see, and I, mm-hmm. I will wa- watch that in the future. Guys, I have never seen Avatar or Titanic. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Get out. I know. Uh, I, I feel like probably a couple months before the sequel of Avatar comes out, they'll bring back, if they're smart, they'll bring back the first one right. for a couple so weeks. Refresher. And that's when I'll that's when I will go see it. Yeah. Because I I'm they'd they'd be dumb not to bring that back, you know? Because right. it's been that's been ten years now and then at least the sequel's not gonna come out for another two years, I think. Yeah, and then there's gonna be a whole bunch of like them. three or four more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can appreciate James Cameron what he does, the scale of his movies, uh how he promotes his movies and just how big they are. I can appreciate Appreciate that as a director. Um, sometimes I think there's there should be more substance to his stuff, um, but yeah, he's they're he, crowd pleasers, he, man. He, they're crowd pleasers, and he he does what he does, and yeah, he's a he's a probably a billionaire for it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Now, uh, number five on my list. Any any one of these next fifteen or so directors could have occupied this number five spot, but. When I sat down and looked at the body of work of all these directors, there's one name that came up that just he directed and wrote or co-wrote uh, some of my all-time favorite movies. Almost every single one of these is on my list of favorite movies of all time. Again, I'll rattle off the titles, then I'll name the director. Uh, he directed National Lampoon's Vacation, 1983, Caddyshack, 1980. Uh, he did the Analyze This and its sequel, Analyze That, with uh, Robin Williams and or no, it was a uh, Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro. Uh, he directed Groundhog Day, which might be Bill Murray's greatest work uh, in 1993. Multiplicity with Michael Keaton in 1996, where he cloned himself. That was entertaining as heck. Um, and he wrote or co-wrote uh, Back to the School, Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, and Animal House. Wow. That is an incredible body of work. Uh, easily some of the greatest comedies ever made. And, and that director slash writer is Harold Ramis, who most people may know as Egon in Ghostbusters. But, mm-hmm. um, man, that guy can do comedy. And I think he should be recognized as one of the fa- the funniest people who've ever walked on the face of this earth. He was absolutely a comic genius and uh, wrote or directed some of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on Harold Ramis? Um, he's another one that did not make my list. Um, I, but I liked all of his movies. Um, maybe if I did a top 20, he'd be there, but he's another one that, uh, when I was looking online that it wasn't popping up yeah. for, for anything, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, especially for our podcast, he's, his movies have come up a ton mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, there's no denying that, that he was a great comedy director as, as well. Yeah. Andrew, are you familiar with uh, Harold Ramis's work? Yeah, I 
I, I just always I, I never think of him as as a writer director. I, I always have him as the, in the picture of my mind as uh, in Ghostbusters, um, and I and a couple other films I've seen him in. But now that you mention it, that is that's quite the list of of, <laughs> of accomplishments of of nineteen eighties comedy, and how influential those movies were to comedians I look up to today. You can see the DNA of oh yeah uh, of those movies and in comedy today of guys that are in their mid-30s 40s that are doing stuff today and you could trace it back to him i think yeah when i was a kid watching these movies in the theater i i never really associated harold ramus's name with a lot of them and it wasn't until i got a little older when i started realizing that he had his fingerprints all over so many of my favorite movies and i Mm -hmm. thought man this guy is an absolute genius yeah love his stuff um all right so that's my top five uh, Tim, we're going to go to you to throw out uh, some names of uh, what you feel are some of the most influential directors. Okay. Um, first of all, in in this guy kind of came along and made his name a, a little bit later. I mean, I was more, uh, you know, getting into my adult years when when I started uh, taking notice of this guy, and not just me. I mean, everybody, um, you know, started taking notice probably around the same time but um and that would be with his first film and it's uh quentin tarantino um i remember <laughs> people just raving about reservoir dogs right and, yeah, I remember that. and um you know I, I i saw him on interviews and i he just you know he just kind of came off as a, kind of a odd guy <laughs> so it kind of turned me off at first before I, and then one of my buddies uh i remember specifically he was like he was like hey He's like, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? I was like, no. He's like, he's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, next time you go to the video store, he's like, just rent it. He's like, don't, don't even read the package. Don't see what it's about. Just rent it. And that's exactly what I did. And at first, I was kind of like, eh, okay. Um, you know, I, I can kind of see it, but I thought it was based more on people liking it because of the way that it ended. Spoiler alert: everybody mm-hmm. dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, but then he went on to make Pulp Fiction. And I remember taking a, a girl who had never seen Reservoir Dogs. And she was totally confused. And um, luckily I had seen Reservoir Dogs, so I kind of knew how to like keep up with it. Um, but that movie just blew me away. I saw that probably 12 times in the theater. Maybe, <laughs> wow. maybe not that many. But I only saw it like four. <laughs> but I just, I just kept having to go see this movie over and over and over again. Man. Just uh, just the way that he and, and and really, you know, I mean, obviously, I knew some directors' names and movies that they did, but then I really started to pay attention to who the directors was were in the movies that I was going to see, mm-hmm. and um, just just some of the other mo- movies that he did, uh, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, one and two, um, the Death Proof portion of Grindhouse, Inglorious Bastards. Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and then he's got one coming up called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fired up. Can't wait for that one. So Quentin, um, love his work. Uh, he did not crack my top 10. Uh, he is in my top 20. Um, the only reason he didn't crack my top 10 is even though he directed some of my all-time favorite movies, um, his work is kind of hit and miss with me. I, Pulp Fiction, I think, is one of the greatest movies ever made, and and that was my first Quentin Tarantino movie. I made the mistake of trying to watch Res- Reservoir Dogs 
after Pulp Fiction, and it it doesn't hold up once you've seen the masterpiece mm-hmm. that is Pulp right. Fiction. I enjoyed Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. but some of his stuff that came out after was kind of hit and miss. Um, Kill the Kill Bill movies, I think, are masterpieces. I absolutely love them. They're they're more art than than movies. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Inglorious Bastards. I was kind of confused, like. That's not how Hitler died. Like, I was kind of confused by that. And so, like I said, this movie's been hit and miss. Pulp Fiction, one of the greatest movies ever made. So he deserves to be on anyone's list. I just couldn't rank him higher um, because of the fact that his movies are hit and miss uh, for me. Andrew, your thoughts on Quentin? Quentin is uh, number seven on my list. Um I, I have to disagree with you on hit or miss. I think every one of his movies I would give like at least an eight out of ten. Wow. I, I agree. They 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 are solid. They are when you you see ten seconds of a Quentin Tarantino film, you know who the director is of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I and that really has at least for me has is a big thing. Um talk about influential directors. Oh, I mean, yeah. how many copycats have there been since Pulp Fiction. Right. I mean, everyone tried making the next Pulp Fiction, and everyone has failed. Oh yeah, including Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> He's never been able to duplicate, in my opinion, Pulp Fiction. Even though some people are saying that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might come close. We'll see in a couple of weeks. Um, I the first movie I seen of his was Kill Bill One in the theater because I I think I was like sixteen when that came out, mm-hmm. and then just kind of in and out over the years. I, actually, the last movie I've seen was Reservoir Dogs, oh, maybe wow. just two years ago. Interesting. So I I didn't have the – I wasn't there in the front seat going along with him as his career was progressing, which I think would have been obviously a much better way to see his films. Um, just a side note, did you guys ever see the film Four Rooms? Yes. I don't think I've seen that one. Four Rooms, uh, it takes place in a hotel, four different rooms in a hotel, and each room there's a story going on. Directed by a different director. Okay. Tarantino does one. Uh, Rodriguez does one. And I don't remember who the other two are. I don't remember who they are. But it is hilarious and is hmm. definitely worth watching. I don't know how yeah. you feel about it, but I, I love I, it. I, yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I, I thought his was obviously the strongest Oh yeah, out of the four stories, but they weren't bad. Tim Roth was the bellhop. He kind of um, he kind of interconnected all four of the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's worth checking out if you've never seen it. All yeah. right. I'll put it on my list. All right, what else you got, Tim? Um, my next one would have to be uh, mainly because these are guys too that I go out of my way to see, and they're a pair of brothers, and they are the Cohen brothers. Um, uh, they did the movies. Uh, I have it right here in front of me. They're number eight okay. on my list. All right. I got Old Brother, Where Art Thou, in two thousand. Hail Caesar, which I absolutely loved in 2016. They did the remake of True Grit in 2010. Uh, one of the greatest comedies ever made, Raising Arizona in 1987. Much acclaimed movie, 1996 Fargo. Uh, another great comedy, The Big Lebowski, 1998. Uh, one movie I did not care for, but a lot of people seem to love, uh, No Country for Old Men in oh. 2007. Um, so those are just some that I, I just... Uh, typed up on my list here. I'm, I'm sure that list is a lot longer, but uh, um, those are great, great movies. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when I came up with my list, I was just kind of thinking because, because I thought everybody 
has a misstep every now and then. So when I came up with my list, I was right. I was kind of doing it like three movies that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, there's some movies in there that are not the best that they did. Uh, as far as No Country for Old Men, I was with it all the way up until the end. But they, but apparently that was exactly how the book was, from what I understand. Mm. Um, I, I thought it, I, I was just disappointed with the ending of it because it just kind of left a lot of things unanswered and let kind of left things, things open. Um, there was a gap there where there was a few movies where I kind of thought they lost their edge where they did the remake of the lady killers and, um, a couple other ones in there, but then they sort of regained it. Um, most recently the ballad of Buster Scruggs, they, that was on, um, Netflix, Netflix, I believe. Yeah. I, I think that that was fantastic. I still got to um, see that. I'm, I'm not a Netflix guy, so it was, uh, it was what, good. I, I really liked it. They yeah. haven't released you, that you, on video I, yet, have they? I don't. Think no, so. I don't think so. Okay. And I, I'll know, have to check. But, but you should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. As a Western fan, you should definitely check it out. Um, one other one that I just want to throw out there that I I really enjoyed. It wasn't a big one of theirs. Um, I don't think it made the money, but uh, that some of their other ones did. Um, but uh, one with Billy Bob Thornton in it called The Man Who Wasn't There. Mm-hmm. Um, black and white, a lot of twists and turns. James Gandolfini, I think, was in it also. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but that one kind of gets forgotten, but it it's actually a, a, a decent movie if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I got to say, when I recently revisited uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, I think that's one of those movies that improves upon repeated viewings. And I remember sitting there See, watching this movie, and I'm like, I don't, you may hear me use this word many times during this podcast, but it's a masterpiece. It's an absolute master masterpiece. I totally agree. So well done, so perfectly done. Andrew, yep. your thoughts on the, the Coen brothers? I, I absolutely love uh, them. They're, uh, they're number 10 on my list. Uh, just, to, just to say this, my list, it's not in uh, actual order. They're not my 10th favorite directors. It's just who I thought of. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put directors in order for me. <laughs> um, uh, I agree with you on everything you said about their movies. Um, there were two movies in I think early to mid '90s. I think they were back to back: Barton Fink and Hudsucker Proxy. Oh yeah, with um, about those, John Turturro yeah. with the first one and uh, Tim Robbins in the second one. Yeah, great movies. Yes, but complete like no one talks about those movies. No, today. no, uh, but definitely worth watching. Yeah, um, and. I'd have to disagree with you on No Country for Old Men. That was my absolute favorite movie of 2007. I, really? I think uh, Javier, Bar- Javier Bardem's villain is up there with Darth Vader for me in terms of... Yeah. I'll agree that he's one of the greatest movie villains. Yeah. I guess, see, I didn't see it when it came out in a the theater, and it was only when I was trying to get caught up on Oscar-winning movies where I, I think I got it on Netflix when they, they mailed DVDs in the mail. And I remember it arrived, and I was excited to watch it, and I sat down and watched it, and, you know, it did everything it was supposed to do. I kind of had, like, a knot in my stomach watching it. But then halfway through the movie, when, uh, was it Josh Brolin, like, gets killed off, yeah. and I'm like, did I miss something? Like, I was completely <laughs> confused that the star, or I thought was the star of the movie, was killed off halfway through the movie. I'm like, what gives? And... And I instantly disliked the movie when that happened. Instantly. Like, it ruined the whole movie for me. But that same thing happened in Burn After Reading with uh, Brad Pitt character. Mm. Remember, oh, he right. gets shot in the closet. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone, I remember everyone <laughs> in the theater audibly gasped. So I think that's, 
that those are the type of things you expect in a Coen Brothers movie. I like, yes, yeah, just the the strange, weird, quick things happen that nobody sees coming. Yeah, and and like you said with the ending, you know, as a as a an audience wants closure, and an audience wants a bad guy punished or the hero to get the girl or whatever. And when Javier Bardem's character just kind of walks off and the credits start rolling, I felt robbed. Like, I'm sitting there going, no, 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 that's not fair. So the movie made me more angry than anything else. Like, like I said, it was only the ending of that. I thought the movie was strong other other than that. But but like I said, once once I looked, looked it up, when I got out, and they said that they pretty much stayed true to the book, and that's how the book yeah. ended, then I can totally understand why, right, right. why they did it that way. All right, good pick. Uh, thank you. Uh, my next one, and this this might be one of the guy. I and mean, this is definitely a guy. When I mention niche directors, I think I know but, where you're going. But we'll but see. but but he's another one that I will go out of my way to see his movies. I've gotten to the point where I will go out of my way to see his movies at the theater, and it is Wes Anderson. Oh, that's um, not who I thought you were going to say. Okay, number two on my list. <laughs> right. Wow, number two. Interesting. Yep. Uh, so he's directed Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, Zizou, uh, <laughs> The Darjeeling Limited, Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, um, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Isle of Dogs, among a couple others. But um, talk about detail. I, I mean, his attention to detail is bordering probably on psychotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, but it, it's just there's just so many things in his movies uh, is, that you can just like pick out when you're watching. It's just you know, there's so much like meat and potatoes in his movies. No stone gets left unturned, and he's introduced me to like so many things. Like you know, I'll buy the soundtracks of these movies of. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have never heard of these these songs before, uh, these artists before, and most of these, um, in a lot of the soundtracks that he does and the movies that he does. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I always feel, I guess the word would be satisfied when I walk out of a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I loved Rushmore, um, and I, when I finally got around to seeing um, Grand Budapest Hotel, I thought, wow, that that was great, just great, really enjoyable. Um, but none of his movies crack my top hundred favorite movies of all time. So when I do see a Wes Anderson movie, I enjoy them, but I guess they just don't speak to me like they do to you. Um, Andrew, you disagree. So let's, uh, let's hear your thoughts on Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. I I don't know if I should say too much because in a minute I'm supposed to talk about him, but, (laughs) um, I, I think Darjeeling Limited is probably my favorite out of his. Um, I love movies yeah. where there's a group of people on a, either on a mission or on a quest to go somewhere with these three brothers in this movie. They're on a train uh, to visit their mother uh, in in India, and, of course, all sorts of crazy things happen. Those are my fav- favorite type of movies, and I saw that movie that came out in 2007 at, at a time in my life where I was really super getting into a lot of more uh, independent films just because who I was hanging out with at, at school and mm-hmm. i'm like this this movie is the perfect thing for me right now in my life mm-hmm. so it, it just spoke to me at that time mm-hmm. but yeah uh his attention like you said his attention to detail how so many of his shots are framed 
perfectly symmetrical, and uh, the close-ups on the close-ups on the actors' faces, and and the color palettes too. Like he's, and the it, color palettes, yeah, very deliberate. A, 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 a five or six color palette, and that'll be the movie. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I like the 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 humor of his movies. Sometimes dark, sometimes it's kind of lighthearted. Mm. And like you said, the soundtracks of a lot of like French and indie yeah. bands, which I love. I love. I love how certain directors uh, always bring back some of the same actors. And oh, yeah. that relationship between Bill Murray and Wes Anderson is, is priceless. Like just knowing that those two are going to team up for a movie makes it worth seeing. My only complaint, and this is other people's complaint, <laughs> is he's, he's kind of become known. Uh, it's almost his trademark, and it's not in every one of his movies, but it's in a lot of his movies where the dog gets killed. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah. All right, how many movies was that for you, Tim? I, I believe that was three. That was three? Tarantino, Anderson, and... The Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. All right, give us another one. Um, okay, well, going back to the 80s, and I think this guy probably would have had a better, even a longer career, or maybe a better career, if... There wasn't an incident that happened during one of his movies, and that is John Landis. Ah. Um, he directed uh, some of his earlier ones were Schlock, Kentucky Fried Movie, but then he went on to direct Animal House, The Blues Brothers, uh, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Twilight Zone, the movie, well, a, a part of it, and that's the movie that I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he did Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, Coming to America, uh, and I, Michael Jackson's Thriller. He did do oh, that. I know man. you hate Innocent Blood, but I liked that movie. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, uh, and then he did Blue Brother, Blues Brothers 2000, but we won't talk about that. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Landis, you know, almost in the same vein as Harold Ramis, um, produced some of the greatest comedies of all time. I mean, some of the, uh, so many of those movies you listed are on my 100 favorite movie list. Yeah. So, yeah, he's... He, Definitely is the director that should be discussed among the greatest directors. And like right. you said, it's unfortunate with the accident that happened during the Twilight Zone movie um, that kind of tarnished his reputation. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that, uh, I mean, I own a lot of the movies that he did, but uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, I thought it was a perfect blend of comedy and horror, and that is An American Werewolf in London. That, yeah, not, I agree. I mean, that's just one of my all-time favorite movies um, across any genre, across anything. Right. Um, and whenever you blend horror and comedy, that always seems to be a recipe that works. Going back mm-hmm. to, like, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, right. when you when you pair comedy and horror together, you get a great movie. And, and American Werewolf in London is, is must-see for anyone looking for something spooky to watch uh, come Halloween time. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, definitely. Andrew, is John Landis on your radar? Um, I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of a lot of those movies you mentioned. I don't believe I've seen any of them whole uh, just over the years. <laughs> uh, he is on my radar because I I saw today that his son was getting into a little bit of trouble. Uh, with his son is with uh, mis- mis- I, mistreating women. Oh, uh, I, his I name did is, see his that. Name yeah, is yeah. Max Landis. Okay, and Ooh. so oh, okay. And then I'm like, Landis, that sounds like a familiar yeah. uh, Hollywood name. So I looked it up. So unfortunately, he's dealing with that. Um, but Interesting. Um, not, I guess not, not 
a guy that would really be on my radar. Like I said, there's there's some movies in there that I need to go back and watch. Uh, I'm now that you mentioned the American Werewolf in London, uh, I need to, I need, I know I need to go back and watch that because I just as a kid saw bits and pieces on TV. Yeah, safely yeah. skip American Werewolf in Paris. I, I don't <laughs> think he had anything to do with that. That was one. the one like <laughs> around ninety eight or ninety nine with uh, uh, the guy from that thing you do. Yes. Okay. All I did right. see that, and okay. as a fourteen year old, I did even then I didn't like it. <laughs> So it's no surprise that you've never gone back and watched <laughs> in London, but definitely check it out. Okay. You know, speaking of trading places, um, that's one of these movies where I didn't fully understand what was going on in that movie, but I didn't care. I just really enjoyed it. Um, there's a director, I think it might be John Huston, who directed some of Bogart's movies that had really convoluted plots that were really successful and he said, you know what? Sometimes an audience doesn't really care about the story. They just want to be entertained. And Trading Places is like that. Like when they have this, the scene at the end with the stock market and all that, I, I can admit I really don't fully understand what's happening there. But it's an, an enormously entertaining movie. And, of course, you know, Eddie Murphy along with Dan Aykroyd uh, really helped make that movie. But, uh, yeah, Landis, one of the uh, great comedy directors of our, uh, our generation. All right, one more yeah. from you, Tim. Um, okay, my last one's going to be also a relatively newer director. Well, actually, he directed a lot of stuff, but he didn't really get big until he made a movie in 2004, and that movie is Shaun of the Dead, and the director is Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, went on to do the Cornetto trilogy, which consists of Hot Fuzz, and uh, The World's End. Um, he also had a small segment in Grindhouse, but did Scott Pilgrim versus The World, Baby Driver. Not not a whole lot of movies. Um, you know, I mean, he did stuff before Shaun of the Dead that I'm really not familiar with. Mm-hmm. I am familiar with the television show that he did, Spaced. I, I own that, and mm-hmm. that that's kind of what launched him into uh, Nick Frost and um, Simon, Simon, Pegg. Simon Pegg were both the stars of that show. And that's kind of what, uh, what led to making Shaun of the dead. But, um, yeah, just, um, every one of his movies that I've seen, I've, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, starting out of the gate, obviously with Shaun of the dead, but another one that obviously is comedy slash horror, but I really have to give him credit for bringing back the zombie genre Right. Um, you know, if anybody deserves credit for, yeah, I mean, it kind of got oversaturated there in the two thousands, but but he he definitely in that movie definitely deserves uh, that title for bringing the zombie genre back in vogue. Now, if I remember correctly, you introduced me to Shaun of the Dead, and I uh, I did. and I remember as the credits rolled, thinking that was incredible. That was great. <laughs> And, right. you know, I, I, I get bored when, when people try to take, like, the zombie genre and just rehash it over and over again. And I'm like, come on, do something fresh with it. And, boy, that's a perfect example of taking a tiresome genre and doing something fresh and funny and exciting with it. Um, and I, I like the movies that followed. Now, he didn't make my list only because I don't think he has that, that body of work yet. I think if he comes out with a couple more classic movies, I think he'll start to climb up my list of favorite directors, but I have enjoyed just about everything I've seen uh, that he's had his fingerprints on. 
Uh, Andrew, your thoughts he, on... He's currently working on a, some sort of psychological thriller mm. uh, based in London. Um, I love Edgar Wright. I've, everything I've seen him do, I've loved. Like I said before, uh, if, if I ex- were able to expand my list, he'd, be, he'd definitely be in top 20. Um, his first American movie was Baby Driver, and I read an interview. He said, I wanted to, I wanted to make a through-and-through American movie. And, you know, it's... It, it, 70% of the movie is a car chase. Right. It takes place in Atlanta. You know, there's crime. There's, uh, he, he gets the girl who is a waitress and I absolutely love that movie. And, uh, and then of course, uh, the movie he did, like you mentioned, Scott Pilgrim and then the three movies with those, uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost were phenomenal movies. And they all, they all have that, that, uh, identifiable style where, the beats are edited to the music and there's yep. the, 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 just everything seems to be in sync and it's just poetry in motion. A lot um, of super quick edits. Yeah. Whoosh, 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 yeah. All over. Like uh, I, when I, know, when ton, I watch baby Easter eggs peppered in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like when you I rewatch baby driver, you, you, you look at things in the background that are like lines of dialogue or whatever that like appear in the background as things are happening. Yep. And, um, yeah. Every, every, film is is a i think a work of art it's like you said attention to detail so he, he was originally supposed to direct uh ant-man oh wow. so i would oh, like that's right i would I like to see that. him do uh you know like a superhero movie or oh, so, sure. some sort of uh franchise movie because everything he's done before he's written himself and it, it's yeah. been his own baby i'd like to see him take on something big and yeah. but still have his own flavor he, he showed he's capable with scott pilgrim i love oh, yeah. scott pilgrim and that has the same uh, style, but yeah, I'd like to see that applied to mm-hmm. the to the Marvel universe. Yep. Yeah. All right, that's five movies that's, from that's Tim. That's five for me. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? Okay, like I said, mine are in no particular order, but uh, for number one, uh, we we have not mentioned him today. Uh, it's Christopher Nolan. You know, I, I looked up his movies, and again, the only critique I have is his lack of body of work. He's made some great films, but I can kind of count on one hand the number of films that i enjoyed oh um explain explain why chris nolan ranks so highly with you a a big part of it is uh, batman is my favorite superhero of all time yeah and i i I think uh the dark knight is the number one best superhero movie of all time i agree so that right there tells tells (laughs) me something but his other stuff uh did you see the prestige never saw the prestige absolutely beautiful movie um yeah we I have David. We have David Bowie playing Nikola Tesla. So I mean, that right there <laughs> is great. Uh, Inception is a no. See, I'm not a oh, fan. Man. I'm not a fan I of Inception. It. Inception's fantastic. I love his it. his movies. They they're more cerebral. You can you can almost see math equations going on, and that's the only way I can describe it. But a lot of his movies, they don't really rely on on emotion to drive the story forward, but science and math type things to to move things forward. And I'm not a math or science guy, but I love seeing that on the screen. Uh, he uses a lot of uh, blue tint. I, I don't know what you would call it, but like blue tinting in his, mm-hmm. in his films, especially the Batman movies. Um, no, I'll agree with you. You know, the dark Knight to me is, is probably the greatest comic book movie of all time. Not so much. The dark Knight rises. I remember being incredibly disappointed uh, with the dark Knight rises. So that for me, Kind of knocked him down it, a few pegs. It's, yeah, but it's, how can you top? <laughs> how know. can you top that? We, everyone, everyone was expecting to it be to it be topped, but you you can't really. Yeah. So I went in with expectations like, 
okay, show me what you got, but you're not going to top what you did with Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, and then Dunkirk was a little bit of a departure for him because it was based on a true story. And uh, but it was a be- beautifully made movie. And uh, I just read he's coming out with a new movie called Tenet with Robert Pattinson and um, Denzel Washington's son, who was uh, in Black Klansman. Okay, I think his name was John David Washington. And that comes out a year from now, so I'm looking forward to that. I liked uh, Dunkirk a lot, uh, even though when I saw it, I just felt like it was more of a day in the life sort of a thing. Like, yeah. I didn't feel it had a story with a beginning, middle, and end. It was just kind of like, here's a, a day in World War II. So I enjoyed it, but I, I didn't really think it was great cinema, even though it got critical accolades. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. Tim, your thoughts on Nolan? Um, I, I do have him on my list um, for a lot of the same reasons that, that he already said. Um, I saw The Prestige at the theater, and I loved it. I saw Inception at the theater, and I loved it. My only knock, really, for The Dark Knight Rises is I'm a huge Bane fan in the comics, and I have been since he first debuted. And so I didn't like the way that they did Bane. Um, that's really my only knock. Um I, I first took notice of him, and a lot of people did, with the movie Memento. Oh, yeah. And um, that was just, uh, like you said, the math equation thing. Yeah. That was definitely going on in that movie. It had to be. Yeah. Was that an um, Oscar winner, Memento? I don't think or so. Am because I that mixed was, up with a Because movie? that was kind of low budget, wasn't it? Okay. I mean, I yeah. think it was more of an independent film when it came out. So, yeah. no, I, I don't think it, I don't think uh, it got nominated for, for anything. Yeah. But okay. it, it got a lot of critical acclaim. Right, right. All right, Andrew, what else Number you Number two, uh, we did talk about him, so I won't go very long on him. Uh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I love, I love the symmetrical shots. And like, like I said about other directors, once you watch five seconds of any of his movies, you know it's a Wes Anderson movie. Oh, yeah, he has right. his style. Um, I love, in Moonrise Kingdom, the, the sort of coming-of-age story of the kid when he's out uh, with the Boy Scouts. I love that story so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, Darjeeling Limited is one of my favorites. Rushmore and Battle Rocket were classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he's got a, a new movie coming out either next year or the year before called The French Dispatch. Uh, it's just supposed to take place in uh, like post war France. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, number three, his name has not been brought up, and I'm surprised, is Mr. Kubrick. Huh. You know what? He, he this. You're probably going to lose your mind when I say this. He did not crack my top twenty. Wow. I'm not a fan of Kubrick's work. Wow. I agree. I left Kubrick off too. I I think um, you know, and I've mentioned this on previous shows that he's one of those guys that I think just gets a little weird just to be weird, mm-hmm. uh, just for weirdness's sake. I think he does that. One of my did, least maybe, possibly one of my least favorite movies of all time, and I know a lot of critics love this movie. I hated, hated, hated a Clockwork Orange. Oh, Absolutely okay. hated it. I, I was young when I saw it for the first time. I, you know, I was staying up late watching Skinamax or whatever, and <laughs> Clockwork Orange came out. I'm like, "Ooh, this has nudity in it," and it messed me up. I hated that movie. No, I do yeah. like a Clockwork Orange. I, I like it. Um, it. It is very. Very subversive movie in, in every way. Um, I can't tell you why I really like it. I, I, <laughs> I, I really don't like 
maybe I'm maybe I don't know maybe I'm a little conservative when it comes to stuff on movies, but like like rape scenes and things like that. Right. I can't I, I can't stand that. Yeah. So some parts of that movie, it's like, come on. Like you said, he might be weird to be weak just to be weird, and definitely in, in that movie. But I but that's one of the movies that I really like of his that I think is one of his strongest efforts, honestly. Uh, uh, Doctor Strangelove is probably my top twenty uh, favorite movies of all time. Huh. Um, I love the the Cold War satire of it. Two thousand one, of course. Uh, Barry Lyndon was an extremely long movie. I think it's two hours and forty five minutes, or close to three hours. But the way that that movie was shot, the long, drawn out shots, the cinematography. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my now, life. Now, I saw you post it on Facebook because I recently posted uh, my most influential films, and that's one you uh, listed. And uh, I had to look it up. I'm like, it's, yes, I, it's I not, think I've heard of it. but I, And I looked it up. It's, uh, what, Ryan, uh, what's his name? Ryan? Um, uh, Ryan, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. I'm like, I, I haven't even really heard of it. So I'm, I may have to check that one out. You glossed over 2001, and um, I just want to say I really enjoyed 2001. I love the realism and how there's no noise in space. I think that might have been the first sci-fi movie that ever did that. Um, but I was not a fan of the, the psychedelic ending where I'm like, what the heck is going on? Um, so that's the only thing that I didn't like about the movie was the ending. It was kind of ambiguous. And I think I read online somewhere that Stanley Kubrick said that um, part of it was when the astronaut like appears in some living room or something that he's in a, a zoo, like an alien zoo or something. But I don't know. So that's, that's the only thing I didn't like about that. Yeah, that movie. last scene where he's laying in bed and yeah, yeah, I, I didn't know what to, <laughs> to mean with that. I don't think anybody truly does, but uh, I also read that he, he likes to view his movies as, as, or he tries to make them be as uh, ambiguous Maybe not as ambiguous as possible, but he likes to, for people to be, to be able to uh, to throw their own meaning onto things, uh, like we do with uh, pop songs and, yeah. and things like that. So anybody from any walk of life can can sort of put their view on it. Which I know a lot of people like closure and certainty in art. I I lean more towards the opposite. I I like things to be kind of open and ambiguous. But that's that's just me. Hmm. All right. All right, what it, else you got? In, in certain cases, I could see that, but um, you, you shouldn't need, and, and I'll throw David Lynch into this category too. Yep. You shouldn't need a manual <laughs> yes. to figure out what happened in the movie when you're done. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's just my knock on some, some of Kubrick's <laughs> stuff. Some of Kubrick's stuff I love, but just some of his stuff. Because I did, I did look at, I, when he popped up, I did look through it, and I was just like, yeah, I just, I don't love enough of his to be able to put him on my list. And then uh, his last three movies were The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, and Eyes Wide Shut. Those movies were spaced out over, I want to say, 19 years. He did three oh. movies in 19 years. Um, you know, some people call The Shining one of the greatest horror movies ever. I don't really even look at it as a horror movie. I, I look at it as more of like a psychological thriller sort of yes, thing. Yes, Because he's clearly losing his mind. Yes. And uh, also... Uh, special about that movie uh, from a technical standpoint that was one of the first movies to use a uh, steady cam oh yeah um and so remember remember at the end where they're going through the maze and the camera's just going everywhere yeah with i read i don't know as much about that type of stuff but that would have been impossible to do if they didn't have that steady cam oh sure at the time so i thought that was really cool um 
Full Metal Jacket's one of my favorite war movies of all time. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. I didn't like it when I saw it, but I wasn't a Kubrick fan when I saw it, and I was pretty young, so I might have to rewatch that someday. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I got on Kubrick. Um, and next uh, director is uh, Woody Allen. Um, I, I really like his early stuff. I like that New York, New York Jewish uh, type of humor. Um, I, I think his movies are, are beautiful to look at. I've just never been a fan. I mean, he was popular when I was too young to get what he was trying to do. And sure. so later when I tried to get caught up on Oscar winning movies and stuff like that, I revisited some of uh, Woody Allen's mo- most acclaimed work and I found them boring. I just didn't find them entertaining. Like and so Annie Hall. Yeah. Annie Manhattan. Hall. And yeah, yeah I, I sure. just had a hard time getting into them. I can, I can see that. I could see that they're boring from a certain point of view, but um, for me, I just, I got to put myself in that mindset and like, Oh, that I'm going to, watch a Woody Allen movie of him walking around Manhattan for an hour and a half and <laughs> telling funny stuff and being awkward. Um, I like what I liked about Manhattan is that it seemed like this, the way it was filmed, the city itself was like another character. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. The cinematography. I mean, it's beautiful in those yeah. movies. And then, um, and then just a couple movies in the two thousands I thought were good. Uh, he did two or three movies with Scarlett Johansson, uh, match point and scoop, which I thought were really good. And then his last movie that can be considered good in my opinion is uh midnight in paris with owen wilson uh which was good and i know uh woody allen's a controversial figure for his personal life so gotta be able to separate the art from the artist yeah it's it's (laughs) it's unfortunate you know that uh people kind of dismiss his work because of his personal life i think someone should just be judged on the work that they've produced sure um so tim your thoughts on woody allen I believe I've seen one Woody Allen movie, and I don't remember which one it was, but I did like it. I laughed through the whole thing, and I made a mental note to watch more Woody Allen movies, which I've never done. <laughs> I, I do own Curse of the Jade Scorpion on VHS, and I've never opened it. <laughs> who's in that one? Do you know off the top of your head, Andrew? Who's it, in? it looked like it had quite a few actors. Um, I think Mir Servino. Uh, um or a Mira Servino type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of it. It, it did not stand out at all to yeah. me. Um, well, he's, just, he's one of those directors that critics just absolutely love and adore. It seems like he can do no wrong. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like a weirdo for not getting into his movies, but I just don't. <laughs> all right. My next guy is uh, his, a lot of his films were a staple, staple of my childhood, uh, Tim Burton. I was waiting for that name yes. to come up. That's who I thought you were referring to earlier, Tim. When uh, oh, you, you should were, know better than that. He's not a Tim Burton fan. I thought you loved like oh. Frank and Weenie. And there's all a couple that. movies of his that I love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Ah, just, okay. Just to start off, his his first feature, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Well, that's one of my all time favorite movies. Same here. Maybe even top twenty all time for me. It's it's probably my top three. Oh, wow. I, I would I would watch that movie every Saturday. As a kid, and I <laughs> loved Pee Wee Herman. Um, later on in his career, starting um, around 2005, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, in my opinion, that's when things started kind of, I think he started kind of phoning it in. Yeah, you know, and that's another one of those director-actor relationships where he yeah. partnered up with Johnny Depp, and they did some brilliant stuff together, but they did some pretty bad stuff together. And yeah, uh, I find Charlie and the Chocolate Factory unwatchable because oh, yeah. of 
Johnny Depp's choice to basically play it like Michael Jackson, yeah. and um, it's unwatchable. And a lot of the CGI, it just it kind of turned me off. Um, I loved Big Fish. I think Big Fish. I enjoyed that too. Big Fish was his last, like, great movie. Um, well, here's here's a couple of titles that I'm throwing out just because I I love these movies. Sleepy Hollow. Oh yes. 1999. I. Absolutely love that movie. It's a great movie. Um, we got uh, Mars Attacks, which I really, really enjoy. Nineteen ninety six. That's that's one that I I, I thought was. That one. Oh, I, I, too. I saw that at the theater. Kind of, kind of like what? It's, I just thought it was just kind of stupid. But uh, yeah, I agree. Um, you got to give him credit for Batman. Uh, oh, absolutely. oh my God! He he introduced the world to a dark gothic Batman. Yep, and. People who are fans of the TV show are like, what is this? But that's what was happening in the comics, that Batman started taking this dark tone in the comics, and mm-hmm. Tim Burton reflected it, and I think it's it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to throw out a few more titles, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, yep. and I know you love Ed Wood. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh, to me, Tim Burton works better in black and white. The two that I love, that I can say that I love, are Frank and Weenie and Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's movies that I really like of his, um, but just when I was looking at um, the movies that that he's done, I'm just not huge. I'm just not huge fans of him. I, uh, he's another one that I think just does things just to to do them. Like sometimes, you know, like just just to say, oh how. How how odd, <laughs> you know, sometimes. But. You know, uh, that's one thing about Tim Burton. You know, I rattle off a bunch of movies that I love, but there's a couple that I despise, that I hate. And one of them was the the Barber one. What was oh, that? Sweeney Todd. I hated oh, that I, movie. I liked it. Wow, it's just so bloody and so gory. It was yeah. shocking to me. It, it, it was definitely it. different. Um, I've never seen it, but that's a ringing endorsement. Maybe I have to go <laughs> check it out now. Give it a shot. I it was not my kind of thing. The two that I I cannot watch again are Mars Attacks and uh, Planet of the Apes. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes is it was forgettable. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, Dark Shadows I thought was okay. Mm-hmm. I did like Frank and Winnie. Uh, Big Eyes, which I know a lot of people didn't see. It's uh, Amy Adams based on a true story. The artist. Um, yeah. it was definitely not a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Um, it was okay. But I was expecting Tim Burton to show up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I did not see Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, and I did not see Dumbo. So those last two, I can't. Yeah, and say I don't one. think you're missing out on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. Yeah. So that that rounds out my top five. All right. Um, all right. We covered some of the directors that are on my next five, but there's a couple we haven't touched on. Um, again, you know, I grew up in the '80s, graduated from high school in 1984, so. My my list is very 80s heavy, um, but the next director I'm going to throw out is Rob Reiner. Um, Meathead from All in the Family. Uh, he directed The Princess Bride. Again, oh, yes. one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Came out in 1987. Uh, Stand By Me, which most people regard as a classic. I only recently saw it uh, within the last year or so. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Misery, um, probably the best, uh, adaptation of a Stephen King book, uh, I've ever seen, uh, in 1990. Um, the fake, uh, documentary Spinal Tap, 1984. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, one of the great uh, rom-coms of all time, When Harry Met Sally, 1989. He directed A Few Good Men in 1992. And a very underrated movie. I don't hear many people talk about The American President, uh, where uh, Michael Douglas plays the president who's single um, and having to face the hardships of dating when you're president of the United States. <laughs> um, that, again, is a great lineup of movies. Many of those are in my top hundred movies of all time. Um, Tim, your thoughts on Rob you Reiner? North. What's uh, <laughs> oh. isn't that widely regarded as one of the worst <laughs> movies ever made? It's not that bad. Um, he did not make my top twenty. Uh, I I like a lot of those movies that that you named off, but um, you know, I might own one or two of them, if that. I just he's another one that you know I, I obviously he's got talent, but it's just. There's just something about his movies that just don't really resonate with me. Besides Andrew, Spinal Tap. Do you agree? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's 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 not a person I think of as a director when I hear his name. Like like you said, I would watch uh, reruns of uh, All in the Family, and I always think of Meathead. <laughs> or just occasionally when you see him, his big fat head on TV sometimes. <laughs> um, but now you, you ring off this list, and... That's that's he's got good range if you oh, yeah. if you look at uh, Spinal Tap and then Princess Bride and then <laughs> a few good men which is yeah. super mm-hmm. serious that that tells you something and those are all very good movies yeah and so he he knows what he's doing behind the camera and uh, I I might need to relook at his uh, filmography because there's some other ones in there you mentioned that I haven't seen that I'm sure are pretty good yeah. Now, next up on my list, this is a name that has to come up. Otherwise, uh, people are just not going to take us seriously. Um, number seven on my list is Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a few of the titles I'm going to throw out. Uh, the Birds in 1960, Strangers on a Train, 1951, uh, Rear Window, 1954. Um, quite possibly my favorite Hitchcock movie, North by Northwest, 1959. Uh, Psycho, 1960. Vertigo, 1958 and Notorious uh, 1946. And I also wanted to throw out a very experimental film called Rope. Have either of you ever heard of a movie called Rope? I've heard of it, never seen it. Hitchcock wanted to kind of, he did an experiment. He wanted to shoot a movie as if it was a play with no edits. So they would block out and, and rehearse scenes that were exactly the length of a reel of film and the camera would push into a dark place, like into someone's back or a dark corner, uh, to end the scene. They would change the reel of film, pull out from that dark space, and do the next reel. So there's very minimal editing. I think you don't really see any edits until the very end of the movie. You, um, you mentioned it's that great in our, our our film production class, and yeah. you showed us a clip, and uh, and I thought that was brilliant for 1940 whatever, and uh, I. That's a, that's a film I, I need to see as a whole because, yeah, yeah, pretty, and, and pretty groundbreaking at the time. Now, a lot of people, you know, they, they call probably Vertigo his best movie. I don't agree. I didn't like Vertigo as much as I liked Rear Window and North by Northwest. Um, most people call consider Psycho one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Um, I mean, you, you, you can't argue with the fact that Alfred Hitchcock is has to be considered one of the greatest of all time. Uh, Tim... What are your thoughts uh, on Hitchcock? Films? I have them on my list, but um, honestly, I am more familiar with his television stuff, and I don't hmm. really know how much he actually had to do with 
I, I'm assuming he didn't direct all of those. Those the Hitchcock uh, presents. Yeah, but um, but uh, so yeah, I've probably seen the Birds and Psycho, uh, and I should probably really catch up on some Hitchcock. I think I own most of those, so I'll have to loan them out okay. to you. Andrew, your thoughts on Hitchcock? Um, I, I think I'm only familiar with um, The Birds, Rear Window, and Vertigo. I think those are the only three movies I've seen of his. If I would have seen a couple more, I, I definitely probably would have considered putting him on, on my list because of how influential he was on the next 60 years of horror and American oh, yeah. horror. Um, I definitely need to revisit all those movies because it's been probably 15 years since I've seen one of his movies. As I was uh, researching this list, I was surprised to find out that Vertigo was kind of a box office dud because it was such a downer. So uh, his uh, next movie, uh, he wanted to be kind of a crowd pleaser, so he did North by Northwest. So if you haven't seen North by Northwest with Cary Grant, that's got to be the the movie you watch because didn't uh, that win best a, picture? I don't know if that won best picture that year, but uh, it's definitely a crowd pleaser, and Cary Grant's just awesome in it. So, um, yeah, big fan. Uh, eight, I have Cohen Brothers. Nine, Tim Burton. Um, Tim, here's another name I'm surprised you hadn't thrown out yet. Uh, John Carpenter. Um, here are a list of some of my favorite John Carpenter movies: uh, Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. Uh, they Live, 1988, The Fog, 1980, Escape from New York, 1981, and its inferior sequel, Escape from L.A., Christine, which I absolutely love. It's cheesy and corny, but I love Christine. Uh, Halloween, of course, uh, 1978. And then what I think is one of the greatest high, uh, sci-fi horror flicks of all time is The Thing, 1982. Um, again, an amazing body of work. Um from horror to action and everything in between. Love John Carpenter's stuff. Tim, your feelings on John Carpenter? He's definitely in my top 10. He is on my list, um, but I didn't do a top 10 necessarily. But uh, so, yeah, I just didn't name him off of my top five, but but he's definitely there. I, with, with you, agree the thing. If American Werewolf in London is my number one favorite horror movie of all time, the thing is probably number two. If not, it's like right up there. Um, Halloween fantastic um you know they live is what it is uh but uh but yeah i mean i i own probably most of his movies still influencing directors to this day uh obviously robert rodriguez was hugely influenced by him with um his his portion of grindhouse um planet terror i mean he even did the john carpenter-esque music himself um so, so yeah, uh, John Carpenter, definitely up there. Apparently, John Carpenter wrote and performed the Halloween theme on the, on the piano. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that. that amazes me, I'll never forget this. One time I was driving around with my nephew in the backseat of my car, and uh, I think I had my pod, my uh, iPod plugged in, and I just had it on shuffle. And, um, and the theme to Halloween started playing. And my nephew, who at the time was maybe three years old or four years old, was like, Uncle Joe, turn this off. Like, just those keys, those twiddling of keys wow. freaked him out. And I had to advance to the next song on, on the on the track there. And that's really impressive that something about those notes trigger that that terror. Yeah. And Carpenter did that himself. So, 
Uh, Andrew, your thoughts on Carpenter? I don't have his full uh, filmography in front of me, but um, I think the only films I've seen from him are Halloween and uh, They Live, which I love both of them. Um, I know I, I I definitely need to see the thing. Many people have told me that, and that I, is a travesty. That I know you've not seen it. I I absolutely love They Live. It is corny. I saw it when at at a too young of an age. Probably I was probably six or seven when it was playing on the local channel fifty Saturday afternoon when they would always show corny movies. But even at that young age, I loved that movie. I loved that one man had these glasses and could see like what was really going on in his. Oh, right in Los Angeles at the time. I love that. And that five-minute stupid fight scene between <laughs> him and that way. other guy that just keeps going on <laughs> and on for no reason. They just meet each other. They just met, and they're just beating the crap out of each other for literally five minutes. I how, how Roddy Piper wasn't able to parlay that into a, a major yes. movie car- action flick career, I, I can't figure it out. He was great. Yeah, that. That, that man was David Keith, uh, who was also in The Thing. Oh, okay. So oh, right. he was a, a carpenter uh, collaborator. <laughs> yeah, I've heard rumors that they want to remake that movie, and I say hell no. They want to remake the thing, or they live? Oh, uh, they live. They live. Yeah. Which obviously, at any any point where you have uh, political upheaval in a, in a society, you're gonna want to remake political movies like that, like that was. But that movie is so. Uh, just so unique in what it is. Please, yeah. don't, please don't touch it. You know, I, I kind of wonder if Hollywood's ever going to learn their lesson that there are just some movies that they shouldn't touch. And, you know, the, here it is, 2019, and there's a lot of reboots and remakes and sequels coming out this year, and they're all tanking. They're all disasters. Mm-hmm. And I, I stop remaking the movies from my youth. Let's see some more yeah. original uh, content. Yep. Um, most of the directors on the rest of my list are, are from the classic period the golden age of hollywood i'm just gonna throw out a couple of names john ford who worked uh, a lot with uh john wayne made some of his his greatest movies including the quiet man searchers uh man who shot liberty valance uh frank capra mr smith goes to washington it happened one night which won like every oscar award that that year mr deeds goes to town meet john doe and of course it's a wonderful life with jimmy stewart uh, John Huston, whose first movie was The Maltese Falcon in 1941 with uh, Humphrey Bogart, had a great relationship with him and went on to make the treasure of Sierra Madre, an African queen in Key Largo. Um, Billy Wilder, The Apartment, Some Like It Hot, Sunset Boulevard, great movie if you haven't seen it, Seven Year Itch with Marilyn Monroe. Uh, we talked earlier, we started this conversation with Michael Curtiz. He did uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Dodge City, Captain Blood, King Creole with Elvis Presley, who Elvis considered that his finest film, uh, Adventures of Robin Hood, Casablanca, and White Christmas. Um, And a name I want to throw out just for conversation, even though looking at his body of work, it's not as lengthy as I seem to have recalled, but he did create some classic comedies. Uh, Mel Brooks, uh, Blazing Saddles in 1974, Young Frankenstein, 1974, same year. Those two movies came out the same year. History of the World, Part 1, uh, Spaceballs, which I consider his last great movie. Um, Tim, your thoughts on Mel Brooks? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say he was, he'd be up there. Um, just, just the ones, you know, the big ones that you named. Um, I definitely give him credit for those. Uh, he did put out some stinkers. I, yeah, that's that's the only thing. Some people say, "Oh, Robin Hood was his last great movie," and I'm like, "No, no. that was terrible." 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're right with space. I mean, I'd have to look at it, but I'm sure Spaceballs was his last great, great movie. And I've spent a lifetime waiting for a sequel to History of the World Part One. <laughs> They've never done a Part Two. They've only teased at it, and I keep waiting for him to do a Part Two. He's never done it. Maybe he still will. He's still around. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts on Mel Brooks? Was he a influence uh, yes, on your youth? A little, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I did grow up watching Spaceballs, which I loved I, because it's making fun of my favorite movies, uh, <laughs> Star Wars. Um, May the Schwartz be with you. Yep. Um, one time, I remember my, I I couldn't sleep one night, and uh, I I went out to the living room living room, and my dad was watching Blazing Saddles, and it was like eleven o'clock at night. He goes, Andrew, you can watch this with me, but do not tell your mom. <laughs> and that's one movie I watch in the dark by myself, laugh my butt off, but I don't speak of it in public. Sure. It hasn't aged well. No. It's, it's still funny, but it, it's very uncomfortable. It was, it was on TV a couple days ago, and I thought they would have edited out a couple uh, certain words, and they definitely did not. They left them in. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh, okay. The movie itself is, is great. I love it. Um, my favorite of his is Young Frankenstein. Yeah, I love Gene. It's w- perfect. I love Gene Wilder in that role. Uh, I can't remember the the female actresses' names in it, but they were great. Madeline Kahn was in it. Uh, I can't remember the blonde. Terry name. Gar. Terry Gar. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And, and black and white, and uh, that's my type of humor. I I love that. It is one um, of one of Gene Wilder's finest performances. Yes. He, and the the great thing about that movie is they they play it straight, and and it just makes it seem that much funnier when mm-hmm. they Gene Wilder. It's like he's not even aware he's in a comedy. He's he's playing it like a serious drama, and it's just a great, great role. Sure. Yeah. Um, All right, Tim, you got any other names you want to throw out quickly with the time we have left? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised no one – I'm surprised you didn't mention this guy. But, um, you know, going going all the way back to his early stuff, I was a fan of his, and his early stuff was low-budget horror, Uh, like a lot of the guys on my list are. But uh, Peter Jackson. Uh, he came a long way from doing Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, and Dead Alive. <laughs> um, he actually did a Robert Zemeckis-produced movie, The Frighteners, in 1996. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he kind of broke out when he did the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, he also did the the only worthy... I, I don't consider Kong Skull Island a remake of King Kong. So, in my opinion... He is the only one that did a worthy remake of King Kong. And I, I loved King Kong. Even the, I absolutely the, even loved Hobbit that movies. remake, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like the Hobbit movies. I mean, I mean, yeah, he he added. I can see why people were upset that, well, that he, he added so out, much yeah. stuff to it. But, you know, that's that's not his call. That's, yeah, that's I, more I, the, the TV or the uh, movie studio's call. I so opted out of the, the Hobbit movies because of that, that I felt like he stretched what would have been one great movie into three mediocre movies. I still enjoyed them. Maybe they were a little bit of overkill, you know, by the time everything was said and done, but uh, but I liked them. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts on Peter Jackson? I haven't seen uh, all of his stuff. Um, I, I was never a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm not a big fantasy genre person, but I appreciated them for what they were. I saw them all in the theater, uh, and they were well made, and so just from from the standpoint of being a good filmmaker, I I, I can see that. What was the other film that you mentioned? King Kong. King Kong. Yep. I I like that. Yeah. Um. It 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 wasn't my favorite, but um. It was it was good. Yeah. He, I he, I actually like Jack Black in it. Some people said he was miscast, but 
I thought he was perfectly cast in that movie. I thought he did a good job as that character. Yeah. All right. Any other names you got there? Uh, yeah, another one, and I've only written down the top three, but he's got a lot more movies. It is uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh yeah. Uh, he did the Hellboy movies, the first Pacific Rim, and the Shape of Water. Yeah, Oscar winner and Pan's Labyrinth, which is and Pan's I Labyrinth. love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Devil's Backbone. Um, he's got he's definitely got his own style, mm-hmm. and um, you know he he's another one that pays it probably not as much as Wes Anderson, but you know def- definitely a, attention to detail mm-hmm. in a lot of his stuff and and creates like the the cool monster type stuff. Um, do you own Pan's Labyrinth? On I do video? not. I need to find it on video. I have not seen it, and it's really? on everyone's greatest movie list, and I have not seen it. I need to sit it's, down and watch it. I good. love The Shape of Water. Um, I just absolutely loved it. I was so happy when it won Best Picture for the year. Uh, Andrew, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, uh, I haven't seen very many of his films either. I have not seen the Hellboy movies. Um, uh, what was the one, uh, Crimson Peak? I did not see that. That, that was okay. But I really liked Pan's Labyrinth, and uh, you know I didn't even get to see Shape of Water. Okay, um, that's great. But I do need to see it. But the little I have seen of him, uh, I liked, and I know he's doing a lot of like producing for like TV shows and like streaming stuff now. Yeah. So uh, I think I'd like to see what else he does in the future. Okay. Any other, uh, any other I, names? Well, how much time do we have left before I throw this other? Oh, go name ahead. Out? We got time. Okay. Um, not that I necessarily consider him. The, one of the greatest, but he's made some of the greatest movies of all time, and we've mentioned some of the movies, and that is George Lucas. He's made some huge stinkers too, but if you would have asked me back in the mid-'90s, I would have definitely had this man on my list. Now, you know, people who know me might look at my list and their jaw would hang open and they would say, where is George Lucas? And I have a hard time putting him on my list. Now, he did create what I feel is the greatest movie ever made, Star Wars. And, um, but he didn't direct those sequels, which were equally as good. Um, but when you look at his entire body of work, what has he done beyond the first Star Wars? The, the sequels, or I should say the prequels, are unwatchable. Right. Um, he did Howard the Howard, Duck. Howard the Duck. Um, he did have a hand in creating, you know, Indiana Jones right. and Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I consider that more of a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, THX1138. I saw that one time 12 years ago. I liked it at the time. I need to rewatch it, but I liked it. It's a good movie, but you're right. I mean, actually, when I threw him on there, I forgot that he actually didn't direct the other two. American Graffiti? Well, yeah, I was just going to bring that up. American Graffiti is enormously entertaining. I just watched it again recently. Mm -hmm. It almost has a documentary feel to it. Um, It's just, again, a day in the life of teenagers uh, going through this change. And um, the cars, the girls, the comedy, it's it's a really great movie. So Star Wars and American Graffiti, yes. What has he done since? Uh, You're right. You're right. All right. Andrew, you got any names you want to throw out? uh, Just real quick on George Lucas. uh, He's a great ideas man. Mm-hmm. When it comes to writing dialogue and then directing that dialogue, right? He doesn't have. Well, there's it. that famous quote from Harrison Ford. I think it was when he said to George, "You can write this shit, but uh, <laughs> we can't say this." And so, yeah, the, the dialogue isn't great. But e- e- even if you compare the directing and the dialogue 
from A New Hope to the two sequels, the two sequels, they're, they're way better in, in that sense. Yeah. And um, I've always felt, you know, outside of the very first Star Wars, that Star Wars seems to be best when it's in another creator's hands. Like, oh, yes. The, the little animated shorts that were on the Cartoon sure. Network were spectacular. The, right. I want to say the guy's name was Genny Tartakovsky or yeah. something. My apologies if I botched that. Right. But when other people kind of take a stab and, and play in that sandbox that George Lucas created, there's some great stuff that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And what, I agree. And what J.J. Abrams has done and stuff. But, yep, um, I agree. Which I, makes you wonder, because he originally wanted somebody else to direct the the other two prequels. Right. And, they, and uh, I think he, what? I think he wanted Ron Howard to do mm. the second one, and he was like, no. Uh, he's like, you do it. This is your baby. It won't feel like yours. Yeah. Uh, mm. and, so uh, it tarnished his legacy, I thought. I right. also have uh, we we talked about him for a second. Uh, David Lynch, I like I like weird stuff. I <laughs> I like s- super far out there stuff. Things that uh, like you made fun of that might need a handbook to go along with it. But I like that kind of stuff. It makes you think. Um, Not a fan. Not a fan over here. Tim, you a fan of Lynch? Uh, I I am a fan of his directing but but when everything is said and done i i i I am not a fan because it's just this most of his movies just have these bizarre endings and (laughs) and you have to be you have to look into what it meant or what you know Mm -hmm. what he meant by it did he do twin peaks too yes i remember when everyone was was raving about twin peaks and i said i'm gonna give it a shot and i sat down and watched it i'm like what the hell is this? I watched one episode and was like, I, nah, I can't do this. So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I got Tarantino, of course. So we talked about him a lot. I won't go too much into it, and except that I loved Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I loved I liked it. that they screwed with history like that. I, <laughs> I That was so, my favorite part. I always part sort of would have warned me, like, oh, Joe, by the way, he's doing a little revisionist history. I wish I would have known that going in so I wouldn't have been confused. I have a feeling he's going to do that with, the, Man- uh, the Manson movie, yeah. because he wrote a letter to everyone at the Cannes Film Festival saying, "Don't spoil this movie." Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm all for that. If he, if 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 I know that going in, I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, we also talked about Coen Brothers, and I think I've said everything uh, about them. I I love everything they do. Um, Ridley Scott. I love Ridley Scott. Not he's hit or miss. His hits are phenomenal. Alien. Oh, yeah. Blade Runner, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, American Gangster, yeah. Prometheus, The Counselor, The Martian. See, I'm not a big fan of the Alien prequels. Uh, I didn't feel that they connected the dots like he had promised, I, but um, I, liked, I agree with you on most of those movies. I like Prometheus. I did not like Covenant. Yeah. Now, there's To me, there was something off about it, and it just felt rushed the way it was put together. Um, also, just a great ideas man. You know, he knows sci-fi. He knows drill he 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 gets it mm-hmm. um and then we haven't talked about him at all i'm surprised you guys didn't bring him up scorsese but yeah he's he's actually number 12 on my list <laughs> okay. i was gonna throw his name out um if you didn't uh the departed raging bull oh, taxi yeah. driver and uh, one of my all-time favorite movies goodfellas yeah um that's a pretty incredible body of work did you see uh i think it was 2011 hugo never saw hugo i no. did it's a complete 180 of everything else that he's done, but it's so good. And it, it, you're like, this is Scorsese doing this movie? It doesn't have his fingerprints on it at all, but it's an extremely good movie. That's it's like, almost like a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, 
I thought it was all right. Yeah. But of course, Taxi Driver, Mean Streets, that 70s super gritty stuff. I, I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I still need to see Raging Bull and The King of Comedy. I've not seen those yet. Um, Did he do Casino? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I rewatched Casino recently and I found myself fast forwarding it. it it's <laughs> too long. It's, it is. It, there's good moments, but it's way too long. And I think it holds the, the record for the most F words. <laughs> I think there's over 500, literally. <laughs> um, the Departed, when it came out in 2006, yeah, that Oscar had such yeah, it had such a huge impact on me. It had everybody in it, mm-hmm. you know, all the big stars in it. Yeah. Everybody dies. Spoiler alert! Right, but, right. but it was so good, such a great uh, crime thriller. Now, if we're talking about Scorsese, we got to throw out Coppola too. Uh, even though yep. looking up his body of work, obviously I love the Godfather movies. I'm not a big fan of Apocalypse Now. That might shock people. <sighs> Again, I was a kid when it came out. It was disturbing. Uh, I didn't really get it, so that wasn't my thing. But that's up um, there with Full Metal Full Metal Jacket for me. Yeah. Oh man, I love that movie. Yeah, that's that's uh, another one that is not just one of my favorite war movies. It's one of my favorite movies of all wow. time. All right, uh, but I agree with you because I thought of Coppola at first. I I totally forgot to put Scorsese on here, but he would definitely be on here. Um, but then when I kind of looked at Coppola stuff. Because it may shock you, I know it doesn't shock you, but I've never seen any of the Godfather movies yet. Either. Oh, I, you know, I keep, you know, like this past weekend was like this rainy, crappy weekend, and I almost called you up and said, "Get over here and let's have a, a Godfather double feature." Man. They, well, I'm, they I, were playing I mean, two on uh, whatever channel it was, and I watched a good hour of it. I still haven't seen three, which I heard <sighs> nah, is don't bother. But no, the first two are yes. two of the greatest. I would have taken you up on it, but I had my daughter with me, and yeah. I doubt she would enjoy those. We're gonna movies. we're gonna do a Godfather double feature. It it it, okay. it causes me pain to know you haven't seen those movies. <laughs> I, you're not the only one. I've been told that by many people, and they can't believe that I have not seen those. I'm gonna throw out one last director. People are gonna roll their eyes, but this guy had a huge influence on me growing up as a kid. I'm gonna rattle off his movies: Smokey and the Bandit, Hooper, Cannibal Run, and Stroke Race. All Burt Reynolds movies directed by Hal Needham, a stuntman turned director who you can argue either ruined Burt Reynolds' career or made his career. Um, (laughs) Burt Reynolds' obligation to Hal Needham to do these movies kept him away from more Oscar-worthy fare. But would Burt Reynolds be Burt Reynolds if it wasn't for these Hal Needham movies? So I just wanted to throw that out. He was uh, had a big influence on me growing up, and I just loved all those Burt Reynolds uh, car chase movies. all right, any final thoughts, Tim? Um, just just one more guy that I that I definitely have to mention because I, I, I just loved all of his movies growing up. I only wrote down a few of them, but that is Terry Gilliam. Um, yes. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Time Bandits, Brazil, and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yep. I, I there's you know, he's had some missteps too, but but I, I, I like a lot of his stuff. And, and a lot of people could probably say, you know, my knock on some of those other guys about him too, that he kind of does weird stuff for weird sake. But, but him, I can like palate a little bit, a little is a little bit more palatable to me for whatever reason. But um, Holy but Grail, I, I think is, uh, if not top ten, probably top twenty comedies of all time. I love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I love Terry Gilliam. Uh, Baron Munchausen and Brazil are two. They're in my top twenty movies. I they're so imaginative and yeah. I love them. The other night I, I watched all the way through uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And upon watching it again, I loved it when I was, you know, 20 watching yeah. it. It's one of those movies that I I can't tell if I love it or I hate it. Yeah. It 
that's... there were certain scenes of that movie and like, come on. Right. I, I agree. With, <laughs> I agree with you. And, and that would go along with me saying what I said about it, you know, sure. just being weird for weird sake. Although that was based on, on the book as well. Oh yeah. That a, a lot of that stuff really happened probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts, Andrew? I was going to mention a, a newcomer. Uh, he's only directed two films uh, just in the past, I think three or four years. Uh, his name is Alex Garland. Don't he, know the name. He started out doing screenplays for uh, Danny Boyle. He did 28 Days Later, the zombie movie, which I love. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he did Sunshine. I don't know if you saw that. That was a Danny Boyle-directed right. movie also. Where yeah. they, the sun was dying. And they, I saw both of those. They get sent theater. to the yeah. sun to explode it. Huh. Yes. And to bring it back to life. And yeah. crazy stuff happens. Anyway, <laughs> he directed uh, Ex Machina. With oh, Don, yeah. Don Gleason and Oscar Isaac with the artificial intelligence, which that movie blew me away. That was probably my number one movie. or It was in my top ten of that year. Yes. Definitely in my top five. I think it was 2014 or so, 2015. And yeah. then he did Annihilation with Natalie Portman, which was one of my favorite movies of last and year. And that was in my top five of, of that. So this guy, also. Alex Garland, I think he has the potential of being way up here uh, in cinema. You. So keep an eye out on him the next couple of years. Yep. You know, you got me thinking about uh, you know up and coming directors, and I briefly mentioned J.J. Abrams' name. Oh yeah, I love a lot of stuff he did, and he definitely when like with Force Awakens and stuff. You know, a J.J. Abrams movie when you see it, and he de- definitely brings something. And I'm excited to see what his future holds because he's a young director, he, and he's already put out some really cool stuff. I I feel like more out of any other popular director, he is he is the child of. Uh, Spielberg. Oh, definitely. As a matter of fact, uh, what was the movie uh, Super Eight? Oh, yeah, that was that was uh, that was, an that was 100% homage. Spielberg. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I was never a Star Trek fan until I saw his two oh, movies, and yeah, I'm his like, take this on is Star awesome. Trek. Yeah. Of course, I, I love agree. The Force Awakens, uh, and yeah. I have good hopes for the, the number next nine. Star Wars. Let's so see. We'll see how it goes. Let's I, see if I we think save the franchise. I think he'll pull it off. Let's see how strong his retcon game is. All right, on that note, uh, man, I really enjoyed that conversation about uh, cinema's greatest directors, and hope you enjoyed it, too. And we will see you again soon on Movies for Dumb Guys. 